Welcome back to the Daily Nugget, Daily Property Insights, one topic, 20 minutes or less, seven days a week. Myself, Lawrence Lott, and today joined by Matt Harris, a property tax specialist and a fellow property investor. And Matt, a question for you today, and it's something I'm seeing, and I know a lot of people around me are asking is, for, we're going to use an example for this. So first home, first time investors. So your famous mom and pop investors. So I buy my first investment property or I'm looking to buy my investment property is, do I put that property under my personal name, under a business name or under a trust? Really good question. So I spend a lot of time working with uh, first time investors. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, when you start out as a first time investor, this is probably the primary question that you want answered. Yep. What structure should I use? So there's only three uh, main structures that are utilized mm -hmm. by property investors in New Zealand. So one is individual or joint ownership or yep. a partnership, uh, commonly referred to as tenants in common in relation to a property, but you can have an actual partnership agreement mm -hmm. uh, behind it. Uh, then you have a look through company or you have a trust. Mm -hmm. So when I'm dealing with, with uh, clients, I uh, generally would stay away from individual ownership. Uh, and that's for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, you have no separate legal entity. Uh, you have unlimited liability as an individual. And whilst I don't expect that the risk is, is overly high for property investors, we live in, in a world now where, where you have uh, intrinsic risk in property. So you've got Healthy Homes Act, now legislation, but tenancy legislation, you have uh, meth as a bit of a problem. Mm. And then also people forget that you can actually sue uh, in New Zealand now, or well, you mm. could always sue, but I think it's becoming more common. Uh, and then the, the final part of it is professionalism. Yep. So when I think about property investment, I always approach it at, from a business perspective. Whether you're gonna buy one property or 10 properties, if you treat property investment like a business, and you treat it in a professional way, you'll get professional outcomes. So in my yeah. mind, not many business owners nowadays would choose to operate under their own name. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that pretty much excludes individual ownership for me. Of course, there's the odd situation where you get someone who used to own a, a house that they lived in and then they've moved and bought a new house. Mm -hmm. We may not restructure that, but, but it would be on the cards. So if we look at look through company and trust, this is a really interesting one. Uh, Look through companies in really wide use in New Zealand, effectively an ordinary closed company with a tax election, which makes it transparent. So in yep. that respect, profits and losses flow out to the individuals. And the reason that we use a look through company as opposed to a closed company is that uh, capital gains can just be distributed from a look through company really easy. And we assume mm -hmm. that our investors are long-term buy and hold investors and therefore they're gonna hold long enough to be outside Brightline. Uh, which is probably something we'd have to discuss in a, another episode. Yeah. Um, and therefore they're gonna have a capital gain. The practical problem with a closed company is that if you have multiple properties in that closed company and you just want the gain from one property, you have to shift those properties out and wind up. Mm -hmm. LTC gets out of, out of that. So LTCs in wide use, traditionally they were used for negatively geared properties and they were set up so that the shareholding uh, flowed those losses to the highest shareholder. Mm -hmm. We then had ring fencing introduced. Uh, you can no longer offset rental property losses against other types of income. Uh, so that happened first. And then obviously after that, we had record low interest rates. So yep. a lot of the negativity disappeared out of these portfolios. And those LTCs, unfortunately, are now set up the wrong way. 90% yep. of the income is going to the high earner. 
and and it should be going to the low earner. So mm-hmm. the downside of a look-through company is they're not flexible in any way at all. You cannot change the shareholding uh, during the bright line period mm-hmm. uh, because you'll trigger bright line. And then outside of that, if the only reason that you're changing the shareholding is to get a tax advantage, well, loss and revenue is probably not going to look at that. Uh, that yeah. is low-level uh, tax evasion or avoidance, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Uh, so, so look through companies are still really good structures. They work really well. We've got a stable situation. Two earners earning about the same amount, uh, or one high earner, one low earner. Uh, not much is going to change for a five to eight year period. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly enough, we have one other thing to consider, and that is: Are you going to be buying a new build property, or are you going to be buying an in situ property? If you're going to be buying a new build. LTC all the way. The cash flow profile from a new build is typically low. They are growth yeah. assets. Therefore, mm-hmm. we expect them to be slightly negative, slightly positive or neutral, depending yeah. on interest rates and obviously the amount of deposit or leverage. Uh, if you're buying an in-situ property now, by default, you are not going to get an interest deduction. Mm-hmm. So what happens in those circumstances is that the net income for tax purposes of the port- portfolio is going to increase significantly. If you have something like a look-through company, that income is going to flow into your own name and we're going to start to see people get bracket creep. So they might earn $40,000 and suddenly they've got thirty grand on top. They're getting taxed at 33%. Or maybe the high owners are earning $160,000. Suddenly they've got Mm -hmm. thirty grand on top and they're in the $180,000, 39 tax bracket. So now we have to ask that question, you know, in situ's new builds or mix, it might be that a trust structure is better and, and trusts are also widely used in New Zealand. And uh, we've just had a, a new trust act come mm-hmm. into force at the start of the year. Part of the research that the government did uh, said there was a trust for one in 12 New Zealanders, which is a, is a huge amount. But in short, it was a really, really well-received act. Uh, the commentary as it went through parliament was really positive and they pretty much rubber stamped the use of trust in New Zealand for another 50 years. Uh, where yep. trusts have excelled in the last sort of year or so is that trusts are First of all, very great asset protection uh, vehicle, mm-hmm. but but they're highly flexible. In a trust structure, you can either retain income at the trustee level and you pay yep. a maximum tax rate of 33%, which is obviously different to the 39% tax rate. Or you can go down to the beneficiaries and they will pay at their marginal tax rate. So mm-hmm. uh, it could be your wife who's earning less or mm-hmm. uh, family members, any other reason to distribute some income to those people, yep. you can get a lower tax rate. So if you're buying in-situ properties, you protect yourself from bracket creep. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you've got a high cash flow profile from the properties, they are more tax effective. Yep. They're also more commonly used by business owners who uh, are subject to risk. Yep. So, you know, the the, the uh, caveat on them is that uh, it's all things taxation-based uh, when there is a... Uh, differential in tax rates, which mm-hmm. gives some quick context for the viewers, New Zealand has what's called a broad-based low-rate tax system, or well, we used to have it, uh, and that pretty much means that everything's kind of taxed along the same level, or the tax rates yep. are close together. Now, we're back into the old days, uh, when the top tax rate is higher than the structure rate, so that what mm-hmm. that does is opens the door for people to use structures to minimise tax, and for the record, totally legitimate thing to do if you do it the right way. Uh, so diverting passive income streams into a trust, I think, totally valid, rents, uh, interest dividends. Uh, but if you try and divert active income streams, so business income streams to a certain point, uh, salary and mm-hmm. wage, things like that, you're going to get in a bit of trouble. 
to illustrate the government's got their eye on this is that we now have uh, new disclosure requirements coming into effect for trusts. So every time you file a tax return for a trust, uh, you're going to have to provide information uh, of the balance sheet and some other things for the IRD to have a look at in terms of where that income's come from. So uh, in short, th there is no one structure that fits everyone. We always have a bit of discussion, but if I was going to summarise it, I think if you buy new builds and you're a first-time investor, quite commonly we'd, we'd look to use an LTC for the first mm -hmm. five to eight years of your investing journey. If you are an advanced investor, high cash flow, or you're a high earner, uh, or a business owner, then it probably is going to be, or buying in situ properties, it might be leaning more towards the trust structure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, thanks for that, Matt. Yeah, and I, I guess it's just a lot of things depending on your situation, which one you go with. Also, I'm assuming, Matt, if you're in one of those and you go, oh, I should be on the other side, you can shift. Now, again, this is where a bit of a challenge comes. We've got obviously the bright line, which we've covered mm. off before. Some of that might be triggered. So if you shift from personal name into trust, you've actually got to, in theory, sell it from one side to the other. So it can trigger some of these, these new laws and things like that. So it doesn't make it as easy to shift along the different process. No, and uh, traditionally restructuring was a lot easier than it is now. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, it's not in theory. You actually, actually have to sell the property and transfer it and get a new mortgage. Yep. However, in the new rules, they have enacted some rollover relief. Uh, which means that you can change structures in certain circumstances and not trigger bright line. So, uh, you know, if, if, if talk to your advisor, if, you, if you're mm -hmm. looking at that uh, from April next year, rollover relief is available. Yep. Uh, having said that, you know, when we look at structures, we generally try to set them up for that five to eight year period if yep. possible. But things change. People's lives mm -hmm. change. Yep, totally. Mm. Um, and thanks for that, Matt, as always. Uh, and to anyone else that has any further questions about today's show um, or any other future topics you'd like to cover, just um, find the details in the descriptions below or just leave a comment as well. Um, and thanks for coming over to the Daily Nugget, Daily Property Insights, one topic, 20 minutes or less, seven days a week. And as always, hope to see you tomorrow.